Happy 2024, family. You know, a new year brings weird or, or mixed feelings and grief. You want a new year, a new start, less pain, easier days, and a sense of meaning or purpose. But at the same time, it's a year that your loved one will never see, and that hurts. I know I felt sadness and even a sense of guilt that I was entering a year Monica could not. We started 2023 with the best of episodes from the Grief to Great Day podcast, and it was well-received, so I'm going to do the same thing again this year. I will re-air the best episodes from last year this month. Then, after these five air, I'll be adding a devotion-only episode once a week. I tell y'all to pray, to read, and to rise all the time, but I remember how hard all those things were to me in grief, because some days it took all I had to take a shower. So my intention in adding a devotional episode is to make it easier for you to connect with the Lord. You just come and listen. I pray that 2024 brings mustard seed sized faith because that's all you need and the revelation of how God will move in your life. I want to focus on impossible things this year. Now, if you remember in one of last year's journey works, I asked you to write down three things you felt were impossible to you or for your life. Want you to have that list handy for February as we venture into challenging the impossible based on truth. Okay, here we go with one of the five most downloaded episodes from 2023. Today is a story of hope episode with Stephanie Floor. Her husband Dan was diagnosed with cancer in August of 2018. He died 21 months later in 2020. Stephanie shares, I was finished. I was done. I had made plans. She was in such a dark place that she planned to end her life and each day counted down to get to the two-year anniversary of her husband's death. I know some of you listening today are in the same dark and scary place. You may feel that nothing will ever change and you're sick of hurting. Please listen to this episode for hope because Stephanie was where you may be. There is a way out. There is a different life. There is still a plan and a purpose for your life. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you wanna be the you you were before your loved one died? but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith, and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. 
Good morning. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I'm uh, from the United States. I live in Arkansas. And uh, what an opportunity and a blessing this is to get to share just uh, part of my story. Um, because we all have a story. We might not realize it as we're going through it, but there is a story that God's going to bring us through if we allow him to do that. Uh, when I thought of the, the Grief to Great Day title, as I've been praying about, you know, Lord, what can I say that makes any difference to anyone? I thought about that title, Grief to Great. So the grief, uh, the grief started back in, in uh, about 2018. Um, now, prior to that, my aunt had come to live with my husband and I. And uh, about three or four weeks after she came to live with me, she was diagnosed with dementia and needed 24-7 care. That was not my plan. Okay. But it was God's plan. And so as we started that in 2017, around October, till May of 2018, she passed away, uh, not from the dementia, but from a heart issue. And as it is, I went through the summer taking care of her estate and, and different things. August of August the 16th, 2018, uh, we go to a doctor's appointment, my husband and I, Dan, and he'd already been to the ER. He'd had some tests done. They weren't real concerned, but then we get called into the doctor's office on a Thursday evening, and we're sitting there waiting, and as the door keeps opening and uh, people keep going in and out, pretty soon the last one's there, and I remember telling my husband, whatever is on the other side of that door, God is already there. Now, I didn't know what that would be. He didn't know what that would be. And so we were told he had acute myeloid leukemia, unfavorable. And the doctor's telling us this. And he says, you will go in the hospital tomorrow. You will start a chemo reg regimen of seven and three. That means this and this. And if you make it through and he kept on talking, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. What did you say? If he makes it through? Well, I've come to learn with that disease many people never get to treatment and if they do make it to the first treatment they don't make it through or they don't go into remission so they have to do it again the physical part of all of that for him was horrendous he went from 252 to 324 to 249 in 29 days his skin was stretched out it was red it was weeping it, it just everything so that was in August of 2018. He needed a stem cell transplant, which took place in February of 2019. And there's so many things in between there. And anybody that has gone through a, a disease uh, understands this. So he goes to the stem cell transplant. He becomes a 100% donor, which means that all of his stem cells are now from his donor, which are clean of cancer. This was by July of 2019. But then by December of 2019, I don't understand how it works, but his cancer was back. So he goes back into the hospital. They give him a heart of chemo, which literally that almost killed him. And from that time on, he was on oxygen until he passed away on May the 4th of 2020. Now, I give these, these dates and these times, but like I said, anybody that's had a disease they understand there's far more in between those dates. So the day comes that he goes to hospice on May the 4th. And it was that morning, the nurse comes, 
he's not comfortable, I can't get his oxygen up, so we're going to take him there for the day, and in my mind, yes, I know he's got cancer, yes, I know he's on hospice, yes, I know all these things, but in my mind, I'd heard where they get to go to hospice and come back, and so I was thinking, okay, we'll go for the day, and I told the nurse, I said, I'm going to grab some clothes in case we have to stay, and then I thought, no, 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 I just need to go with them, because I'm not quite clear where it's at, and I did, and when I got there and they finally let me in, they had given him uh, medication to, to calm him down, to get his breathing where it needed to be. And the Lord was so good and so gracious. Um, he didn't let him linger uh, with, within just hours. And I wished I could have seen this. <laughs> I look back now and I think, oh, I wished I could have seen what was actually taking place. Because I watched as he drew his last breath. But what I didn't realize, there were angels there with us just ready to take him on home. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could have seen that sight. So that day started a grief process that I could have never, ever imagined losing a spouse. I've lost my father years ago, but losing a spouse. So anybody hearing this, you're going to get what I'm saying. Two become one. And it's the hardest loss I've ever suffered. And there were days that I thought, I, I just, I couldn't do nothing. There's something called widow's fog. It is real. I couldn't function. God was, was so good to me in, in the job that I had to be able to have time off. I don't know how people just go back to work after a couple of weeks. That has to be the hardest thing in life because the Lord was gracious to me. I, I didn't return to work until August. So I had June, July, and August to try to process um, I had reached out to some widows uh, that maybe I wasn't the best of friends with, that I just knew from the past, but that connection was automatic. They gave me insight of, you know, what to do, how to do, give yourself grace, lean into the Lord, which I thought was the strangest saying. I thought you lean on the Lord. No, there's a difference. There's a huge difference leaning into the Lord and on him. And I have learned to lean into him. As I walk through that first year, so much of it is a fog. And, and some of the things that people said to do, uh, widows and so forth, uh, or widowers would say, um, you know, read your Bible, which I knew that. Listen to godly music, which was really strange because I have a musical background. I didn't want to hear no music, nothing, but I would listen to preaching. I'd listen to various preachers, preachers across the state, across the, the United States, my own pastor, and I would just listen. Now, 2020 is when COVID hit also, so we're not having church, then we were having church. As far as going into the church, we, we had live stream, but that's not the same. So all of this comes about. As I'm facing the most grief, people aren't able to come. And honestly, if they had been able to come, I don't know if I'd been open at that point. I just wanted to, to get under the covers and hide. I wanted to get into a hole. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was told to go outside and walk. I didn't want to go out and walk. And I realized that some of these things are really vital. But I can tell you, God brought me through. I did listen to preaching. And I would try to read my Bible like I did before. And I got to the point where, you know what, if it's just one verse and I can grasp whatever God's trying to teach me right here and hold on to it, 
I'm good with one verse. I don't have to read five chapters a day. That that time will come where I'll read more. But at that point in life, I was just trying to make every day get through it. So as I came to the first anniversary of his passing, all I could relate that to was uh, when my dad had passed away. We all hear about the going through all the first, <clears throat> excuse me, but the second year, and I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but it just is. The second year <laughs> is, uh, it's almost like reality hits like, oh, they're not coming back. This is real. I mean, we all know that in our mind, but the second year is when it is. So knowing that from my dad, I, I truly tried to prepare myself as much as possible. This is going to be harder, but in a different way. Now, in that second year, some there were things that were better, but then there were things that were so much more difficult. I think I wandered away from the Lord for a while. Not that I was necessarily mad at him, although at one point I know I was, and I reached out to my mentor, and I said, you know, I think I'm angry with God, and I know I'm not supposed to be, but I don't know what to do with it. And he's so wise. He said, you know, I've heard lots of Christians say they're angry with God, but I've never heard one say I'm angry with my father. That was a light bulb moment because my perception of God had become you're up there in the sky. You're waiting to ding me because I'm not doing right or I'm not doing this or I'm not following you or this thought or that thought, whatever. But when I thought, oh, my father my father doesn't do anything to hurt me. He loves me. My father is for me. And that took away any anger that I had because I, I could see him different. Because now it's not God up in the sky, which, yes, he's God. He's creator. He is awesome. And, and we should be in awe of him. But he's, to me, way much more than that. He's my father. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So as I was navigating that second year and I was looking at him in, in a different light for a long time, it got really dark. The grief was really hard, hard enough that I'm like, I, I don't want to be no more. God, I'm done. And I find it ironic, but Satan knows there wasn't just the loss of my my husband compiled upon it was a, a time of other family issues. My mother just decided she wasn't going to talk to me. And this has been a lifelong thing. So I mean, I'm okay with it now, but, but compiled on top of missing my husband. Now I've got my mom who's just not happy with me. And, and I've learned a lot. God's taught me a lot out of that. Uh, my children, you know, put that on top of it. I'm not even going to go there, but there was issues with my children. And Lord, what kind of job am I going to supposed to do? I'm just doing at this point, I had switched jobs. My job that I had done for 10 years was very, um, I just had to be just on top of my game all the time. It, it, a lot of thought processes. And I didn't have it. I And I didn't want it anymore. So of all things, I become a caregiver. I'm like, that is not what I thought I would be. And I've been there almost three years for one lady and I work a second job. So just one thing upon another thing. And I didn't know how to, to go through it. I didn't know what to do with all of it. 
at that point because I just kind of let it pile up and pile up and I didn't take it to the Lord and just give it to him. So there was a time in my life just about a year ago that uh, I was just finished. I was done. I'm, I'm, you know, I had plans and, and I reached out to one person in, in, a, in a grief group. It was a, a Facebook group of Christian widow and widowers. And, and I put something to the effect, I know God is there, but I'm not for sure where he is. And that person reached out to me. And because that person reached out to me, he then introduced me to his fiance who reached out to me. And between them two, I understood, oh, you know what? I, I think I need more help than what I, I'm getting right now. And at this point, I had started listening to this podcast. I was listening to another podcast. At this point, the war in Ukraine had started. And that, I know, is probably thinking, why are you talking about the war in Ukraine? Well, you'll get it here in a minute. Uh, in February of 2022, the war in Ukraine started. And there was an individual by the name of Kevin Smith uh, and his wife, Nataka. They're missionaries there. So all of these different things are are in my life, but I'm in such a dark place. I, I can't see them. I don't know how to use what's in front of me. So I reached out to my pastor and I said, I think I need some counseling. I need a Christian counselor. And it's beyond his scope. You know, pastors are great with counseling, but this was beyond his scope. So he sent me to um, a, a group and then they sent me, set me up with this lady. I'm like, well, okay. So uh, the first couple of sessions were like on Zoom and uh, getting to know her, her getting to know me. I mean, when you start working with a counselor, you're going to wind up, if you really want help, you're going to tell them things that you didn't think you'd tell anybody else. But I had to be open with her and I've been seeing her. It'll be in May, it'll be a year. And I'm so grateful for her. She is such a godly woman and she has a way to uh, get to the root because a lot of things are just symptoms. I needed to get to the root and it's amazing. <laughs> I say that kind of comically here. It's amazing how I went in talking about my husband, Dan, and the grief, but we literally go back 40 years of something that happened when I was a teenager in the church not of a sexual nature, okay, but it was something where there should have been some restoration, there should have been some grace, and that one event triggered um, the trajectory for my life, because I was young, and I didn't understand church, Jesus, religion, relationship, so I start seeing this counselor, and, and it's work, Someone has says grief is work. It is work. It is hard. But I, I was tired of being sorrowful all the time. And I would read the verses where the sorrow would turn to laughter and there would be joy. And I'm thinking, God, how can I even do anything for you? How can I do anything in life if all I am is, is just sorrowful? The beginning was mourning. The beginning for me was the, the deep physical, everything about it. And then the morning turned to sorrow and that's deep. And it was just there. And I thought, and there's grief. I'm more now I've got through the sorrow because 
so many things God placed in my life. And he was placing these things in my life when I didn't even know I needed them between the groups that understand grief, between the podcasts, between the new people in my life. God's bringing this all for his His glory. So as the fall of last year, I have been watching these videos. I've been reading about the war in Ukraine and trying to figure out, well, one, one where is Ukraine? What do they speak? Uh, why is Putin doing what he's doing? I didn't understand. And so God just keeps, he keeps putting a desire in my heart that I didn't even know he was doing. Because up until then, <clears throat> every desire, every goal, every dream was gone. I would just look at the future with nothing. I thought, what good am I? Who am I? I'm not a wife anymore. I'm not a caregiver anymore. I'm not a couple. That's all true. But I am a child of the king. I'm his daughter. I'm an ambassador. Okay. And now the desires are starting to be placed. And as I would listen to Kevin, I thought, ooh, I need to be a friend on Facebook with him because I don't ever want to miss anything he's saying. So I sent him and his wife a friend request. And as time goes on, just my personality, I got questions. So now I start a chat group with him and his wife so that I could send him private messages and say, well, hey, can you explain this? Can you, what about that? And he would do that. And probably in October, he was just doing a video and he said, we need people to come. The resources are coming in, but we need people to come so the Ukrainians do not believe that they're forgotten. And so I sent him a message and I said, well, how can I come? I don't speak the language, which even at that point, I still wasn't clear what it was. I figured it was Ukrainian, but in all reality, most of them speak Russian, which either one is Greek. But how do I come? I can't speak the language and they don't speak my language. He said, it doesn't matter. We just need hands. We need people to help. That way it enables those that speak the language to be able to go in and talk to them. I'm like, oh, I've got hands. Okay, I can do that. So I keep watching, I keep praying. And I'm sure I was just bugging the fire out of him. It's like, well, do you know anybody coming? Do you know any groups? And he would, no, no. I even contacted his home church. He didn't tell me to, but I did. I'm like, do you all have a group going? No. Finally, he tells me, well, there is a lady up in Michigan. It turns out this lady and her husband are homeschoolers. And years ago, in a homeschooling group, they met a woman, a family that had adopted a Ukrainian boy and heard about the orphanages there. And over the years, that couple in Michigan has adopted 10 Ukrainian boys. So when the war began, one of their adopted sons had not been able to leave Ukraine because he aged out. They call him and say, son, how can we help? What can we do? Now, this was February of 2022. This is when the grief is so great that I am just not going to make it through. I don't want to make it through. What they needed was medical supplies. And so this couple enlists other people. This is what they need. We need to get things over. And they start making trips. So Come November 2022, Kevin says, well, there's this lady 
and he gives me her contact information and we start talking and then it's like well if you want to go there's a ticket available for you and she just kept talking i'm like whoa whoa whoa, wait wait, what did you just say i'm like a an airplane ticket because i'm thinking my gosh you know how much those things cost well of course she does they made multiple trips (laughs) but for me i'm a widow working two jobs now at this point i'm working two jobs and i'm like wow and she says and you don't have to worry about housing when you get there i'm like really i'm like yeah yeah yes yes i want to go <laughs> and god confirmed it with that and the fact that i'm in private home care i get prayed by trust by the family this was my third christmas there and one christmas i got a bonus of 25 dollars. the next christmas nothing and this christmas i came in and there was an envelope and the worker says you want to open that envelope? I'm like, okay. She says, there's money. I'm like, oh, okay. She said, lots of it. I'm like, really? I rip open the card. I don't even care what the card says. I just want to see how much money there is. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, just tears. They gave each one of us a bonus, a whole week's worth of work. And I worked the most there. So I had a very good bonus. So in the same night that I got a ticket, I got a bonus. God confirmed it in my heart. Go, Stephanie. Now, I had to wait and I had to be patient. We were supposed to go toward the end of December. I work two jobs. I need to let everybody know. Well, December comes and passes and it hasn't happened. So I'm talking to Kevin. Listen, I'm ready to come. Is there somebody else? You know, I'm just impatient. But I needed to, 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 God just needed to do some more work. And so when I went, not know, I've never been overseas. Never been on a missions trip. I'm closer to 60 than 50. It was all God. I was willing to go. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. And people would ask me, where are you staying? I don't know. What are you going to be doing? I don't know. Well, who are you going to be with? I don't know. I wished I would have had a little cassette where I could just push. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I did know was God had given me the desire. And God had provided everything for me to go. It's hard to believe that two years prior where I was at, I would have never seen it. So God allows me to go. And in going and doing things that I didn't think I would, I opened up my heart to the Ukrainian people. My first day meeting Kevin Smith, I was excited because I thought he's a familiar face and he speaks English. (laughs) 30 minutes later, he says, Will you get up and speak to the people here? We were at a church setting. I'm like, oh, my word. Of course, through a translator. But I'm like, uh, you know, it scared me. And I just prayed. I thought, Lord, I came here to do whatever. And this is this man here. He's your man. And he's asking this. So I just looked at Kevin. And I said, whatever you need me to do, whatever you ask, I'll do that. I was so thrilled when they asked Elijah, he was with us, (laughs) to speak instead of me. I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) But the next day, (laughs) we come to a church late. Uh, They call it Ukrainian time. We get to a church late, so everybody sees all the Americans coming in. And after two sermons, they don't just have one sermon. They always have two sermons. There was a greeting time, and the translator was explaining I said, a greeting time. I I don't understand that. And I know some churches in the South do greetings and things like that. And so the translator says, who is from Moldova, says, 
uh, you need to give a greeting. And I'm thinking, have you lost your mind? I don't know what you're talking about. So I look back at Kevin and all he's doing is shaking his head. Yes. I just said, okay, Lord, you brought me here. Give me the words to say. So I stood up in front of this group that didn't understand a word I'm saying. And I told them who I was and where I was from and how I got there and that they were not forgotten. That was not the only time I stood before a group. Every time we went to villages, um, communities, church services, I would stand up and give a testimony of what God had done because it's truly just God. I could have never imagined. And even my first trip to Ukraine. So if I said first, that means there's a second. <laughs> my first trip to Ukraine, there was a point where I thought, wow, I wish Dan was here with me. But, you know, his race was over. He finished it. And I'm so grateful he finished it strong with the Lord. He taught me so much going through the cancer. Three days before he would go home to heaven, he sat in the living room, listening to music, singing with his hands raised, tears flowing out, and just worshiping God. And I'll never forget those things that he brought into my life. He is not forgotten. Sometimes I still talk to him. It's okay. I don't know if God lets him hear me or not, but it's okay. Uh, he doesn't answer, though. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever answered, I'd probably be in trouble. <laughs> um, I love him and I will always love him. But God still has a plan and purpose for my life. And he's put many resources in to help me. He's put so many people. He's brought them along. I just, I just stand in awe and amazement of what all he has done and where he has brought me to. So because I had a first, now second trip to Ukraine, the first one, God just gave me such a desire to be around the Ukrainian people. And uh, I never look at the clock without thinking, okay, well, it's noon here. Oh, that's eight o'clock at night for them. It's automatic. It's it just automatic. I wonder what they are doing today. I wonder what, you know, and I have, <laughs> I have people call me from there that don't speak English. And you say, well, how in the world do you, you talk? You learn. Not that I know a lot of Ukra uh, Russian, I don't, but there is there the barrier of language is just done away with when the love of Christ is there. Going into a particular village the first time, that's where God got a hold of my heart because that's the place where I witnessed complete devastation, complete destruction. And yet people were coming back to these homes that in America, we would say they need to be demolished. That was their home. That is their home. They had no electricity. They had no running water. I was the first female to come in to Myrna, a village which means peaceful. I was the first woman to come in that did not live there. And I guarantee you, those people know me. Not because of me, because God took me there. So my second visit, Kevin made sure we were going to Myrna. And I can't even explain the absolute joy. When I would hear Stephanie, <laughs> here they would come walking toward me. Some I did not remember because there was 31 of them there when I was there the first time. <laughs> but some I did. It's building relationships. It's the Lord's given me a burden. <laughs> and I think, okay, Lord. 
You know how old I am? I'm not a couple. I'm not a church planner. I'm not a medical person, which all of those things will get you into Ukraine far faster. Because as a missionary, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I do know he's going to do it. I wish you would hurry up, but I, I think he's making me wait for a little while. <laughs> There's things that I need to learn. And in his timing, it will be perfect. And in his provision, it will be perfect. So grief to great, that is a true statement. It can be true. As I'm talking, I'm sitting at my, my uh, desk in my bedroom. And uh, in front of me, I have a scripture that the Lord gave me early on. And remember, I said I couldn't read chapters. I did good to get one or two verses. But what I would do is I would take that verse and, and just kind of look up some words and really dig into what it meant. So the verse is Psalms 147.3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And what got my attention was, well, he heals and he binds. That's almost similar. So why did God put that in the same verse? I don't understand. But when I went to look it up, uh, I used a Strong's Concordance. He healeth, he, he mends, he makes whole the broken, the crushed or destroyed in heart. That, that inner man, my mind, that's big right there, my mind, my thinking, my memory. He bindeth, he wraps up firmly or he stops up their wounds, the sorrow, the pain, the hurt. Now, when I, I'm going to rephrase this a little bit, and I do not think I'm doing injustice to God's word when I read it this way. He mends my crushed mind. He mends my crushed inner self. And he wraps up. He stops my sorrow. He stops my pain. That verse, many times I've gone to the Lord and I said, now, Lord. You said you would do these things. I'm trusting in you because a favorite verse of mine, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I would remind him, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm acknowledging you. I'm not leaning on myself. So you need to do what you said you would do because you are God. You can't lie. That is in your character to be good, and it is your character to follow after your promises and to provide and to make them come about. So when it says he will heal my broken heart, he will bind up my wounds, I would remind him. And then there was a day where I realized, God, you have done what you, would, you said you would do. You have healed my broken heart. There will always be moments of grief. That is just so. But my heart is not broken anymore. He has mended it because he has a plan and a purpose for me. And he needed to bring me through that in order to be able to give from my heart to the Ukrainian people. Not just to them, but to anyone around me. But God has given me a burden for them. I got to be careful in this next part because it's hard to to bring them up without just tears because they're steeped in religion they don't know jesus here in america you just can you can go just about anywhere and do you know anything about jesus and people are going to say something 
But when you talk to them about Jesus there, you're like, well, what's about Jesus? What's the thing about him? Well, he is our hope. He is our salvation. He is the only way. And they don't know. So where much is given, much is required. God has given me much. Even in the, the hardest loss of my life, he never, he was never far from me. He was right there with me. When I couldn't walk, he carried me through. When I sat and sobbed, he was beside me. And honestly, I look at it as I've, I've come through the deepest, darkest valley of my life. <laughs> and he's brought me out of the valley to the Red Sea. It's like, all right, Lord, part the Red Sea because I can't get to Ukraine without your provision. <laughs> so there is hope. If anything, that's God will do what he says he will do. But we have to allow him to do that. And we have to go places that are not comfortable. But I guarantee you the peace that he gives. I know his peace. I seek his peace because he says we can live that way even in the darkest of times. Thank you to Stephanie for being willing to share your story of from grief to great day. This can be a true statement for you too. So do not give up because God he will redeem your pain, give you joy, and great purpose. Now, if anybody out there has any kind of connection with those making mission trips to the Ukraine, please email me so that I can share options and opportunities with Stephanie as she desires to return for a third trip. If you're ready to take a brave step towards your healing, there's help available. Grief to Great Day offers free and paid faith-based resources. So you can join the private Facebook group. You don't have to suffer in silence anymore. Be a part of a group of faith-filled women who get it in a way the world can't. The daily pain and struggle of grief is not denied here, but faith paves the way for hope in this group. You can download the free Loss, Grief, and Healing Seminar. This is the best faith-based introduction of what to expect in your grief journey. Download the seminar if you want a reason to hope and learn how to heal. Today is not your forever and you are not alone. You can also purchase grief coaching. If you're looking for one-to-one -one support to figure out your next best step, or if you want to understand where you are in the grief process, or you just need accountability in taking those healing steps, these one-hour grief coaching sessions are the answer for you. You can also purchase the workshop called The First Year of Grief, How to Survive with Hope and Heal. This workshop is the action-oriented step-taking program you need to give you foundational tools to navigate your grief in the first year especially. Remember, time itself does not heal all wounds. You have to take steps. In this workshop, you'll discover how to pursue God even when you don't want to pray. You'll understand the roller coaster of grief so you know what's normal and what to expect. You will learn to process daily life with practical help to get you through those I can't get out of the bed days. And you'll find where to seek support because I'll share grief resources that are best for you. 
Look, I've walked this journey and never thought I could be happy again. But God, he restored my joy and gave me a calling. So no matter how dark and hopeless your day is today, this can be your story too. It is my great joy to help you get there. Your safe place for all things grief can be found on the website, grief2greatday.com. This includes all the resources I just shared and, in addition, the Grief to Great Day podcast and the book, Dying to be Healed. Regardless of where you are right now, you can breathe, laugh, and live again. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.